Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. And welcome back to Why Though. Again, Happy New Year. We are solidly in the middle of this month, which just feels like a mean trick that it's already going this fast. Honestly, actually, I can't deal. No, here we are, 2022. I know most of us are feeling like we're just tripping into this year and things just went from bad to worse and all of our like live your best life. We all knew that wasn't going to work anyway, but we might right. have some like a little bit of hope that things were going to turn for the better. And then right out the gate, school closures, mass, you know, mass infections of COVID. It's just been it's been wild. It's been wild out here. And it's just it's just not easy. It's not easy. So we see everything that's going on in our real life. And that can sometimes feel maybe a little bit more manageable because it's in real life, but it can be overwhelming to watch what's going on on social media. It can be just, it can be too much. And we've talked in the past about how social media affects us and what we're posting and just don't be a dum-dum on the internet. But we specifically want to talk about what those intentions look like um, in the here and now and how they're affecting us. And you know what I recently heard, Ashley, from a book you recommended, Cultish, The Language of Fanaticism. Uh, the author talks about how social media is the new campfire. It's where we gather virtually to find like-minded people, sometimes have long conversations that lack nuance. I'm but like, if we uh, see of it as the new campfire. Is anyone actually talking, though? Like, right, right. <laughs> we can make a case that it's not a dialogue. <laughs> right, exactly. I, but yes, 100%. But for many of us, we are trying to find our people. We're trying to find like-minded people. Those are the people we want to follow, those people we want to listen to. And ensuring that it is good for us, good for others, can take some work. It's not going to happen on its own. It's just not. It's not. But before we get into intentions, I have to tell you the funniest thing I saw on social media, Ashley. And perhaps you saw it too. I discovered kids are the worst. Oh, yeah. I like, I like that account. It's funny. Oh, man. It's good stuff. It's right. It's good stuff. Anyway, it was a gal who had uh, just had, I think her tonsils taken out or something like that. And so she was put under and she's just waking up and she was telling her mom how she doesn't need to go to college and she just everything she needs to learn. She can learn on TikTok. She learned how to fix her washer and dryer. And <laughs> she's like, I'm not dumb. Mom, am I dumb? And she's crying and she's talking. Anyway, you guys, it's just so good. I hope we're all videoing our kids, maybe not sharing it with the world, but videoing our yeah. kids after they come out of anesthesia <laughs> because we need, we need to take what we can get because sometimes they're rascals and it's too much. So just take the good times. Yeah. I really do think the next generation, many people do think like, I'm going to be an Instagram star or I'm going to get famous oh, on TikTok. And truly. That, it's sort of like what we talked about a couple of episodes ago where all the TV has moved to luxury living instead of like, hey, I can actually yes. see myself and my family on the television. I feel like that's true now for the yes. younger generation. And, 100%. you know, almost 10 years ago, the stat for young people under 18 was 60% of them were watching um, YouTube only. And so when you think about that, it's like, oh, they're literally being formed by all of this like tv oh is gosh. is just not well, even a thing so it's super interesting to think about yeah the next generation and what it's going to look like and and they're not wrong there are some like 18 year olds out there making cash money you know mm -hmm. making tiktok videos so <laughs> <This is laughs> they're not wrong <laughs> oh lord have mercy i don't even 
No, just like that. Jesus come for us. I know. That's all I have yeah. to say is Jesus come for us. Uh-huh. Um, it's this idea of success versus fruitfulness of your own life and what or you're fame. becoming. I don't even, yeah, is it yeah. success or is it fame? You know, like, I don't oh. know. I don't yeah. know what it fame is. Fame or fruitfulness. There we yeah. go. I don't know, man. I just am like, the idea that that, that's how you've made it and is when you're known, you know, it, yeah. I, I mean, just as a, this is just a microcosm of that. But the other day I asked my kids if I could post, um, a picture of them on stories and they said yes. And then we were out in the snow. And so I posted it and they're smiling and they're doing their thing. And then immediately, immediately, um, my son, who's 11, he's like, how many likes did it get? Did anybody comment? Wow. You're like, kidding. I was like, what? He's like, did it get views? Is, is views a thing? <laughs> and I was just like, I don't, A, no, and I'm not going to look at it. And also this is not happening right now. We're not doing this. And I was wow, like, go back in the snow, man. so crazy. Yeah, so it was just a. Anyway, there you go. There you go. Oh my gosh. So, which is is all the more reason we need to talk about this, right, Ashley? Yeah, social media, I think, is, you know, one of those things that is obviously not going away. So, I think it's important for all of us to think about how we want to engage and what does it look like to be online without online being your life? And what does it look like to have it be a part of your life and not run your life? Um, I think is, is really huge. And, you know, we've been talking about this for many years about how much time you spend and tracking your time and seeing what it really looks like. And I think the last couple of years, especially have just really, I know social media for a little bit, a couple of years was just part of my job, like something that I had to do for my job. And I think that, you know, looking at how society went a little sideways <laughs> with these computers at our fingertips and what it's actually doing to us. And no one really, really knows because we don't have enough data. We don't have enough years. Like they'll be uncovering this for a really long time. But all that to say, I think it's important that this year, maybe we could think about what it looks like to be a thoughtful media consumer and what does it look like to have connections online, but also to deeper, more deeply established connections in real life. And um, I think that that is really critical. I mean, we did the home team episode last week. And if you guys haven't Mm -hmm. listened to that, it's very fun, very hilarious. And Mm -hmm. I think really wise in true why though fashion. Um, And this, I think, is a good follow up to figuring out, okay, what does it look like for me to be a connected person, but to have my deepest roots be in the life I'm living and not this online experience or worrying about what other people are doing or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you do when you're online. You know, there's research I recently read in a parents magazine that talked about when parents are stressed, the way we are checking out is just go sit on our phone in front of our kids. And of course, there's a time when we all need to check out. But the idea that our now go-to coping mechanism is a mini computer in our pocket so we don't have to deal with things isn't the same as going on social media to connect with somebody intentionally. So being able to put boundaries around that, put parameters around that. You know, we wouldn't want a fire to just jump out of the fireplace and burn up our new rug from Ikea, would we? Like we want to keep boundaries where they're going to keep them where they need to be so it doesn't become this all-consuming thing in our lives because we know that in real life relationships must come first those are something to cultivate and I think especially in the pandemic when we haven't had the permission to do that in a way we have before of course it's pushed us online but 
in this season, I, I feel if there's any way we can, in a safe way, continue to make our in real life relationships one of substance, one of connection, one of wholeness, one of mutuality. It's so necessary. Yeah. I recently read a Harvard study that they finished at the end of, um, I think it was 2021, but forgive me, it might be 2020. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes so that we have it. And it talked about how, you know, one in every three people you meet are struggling with severe loneliness. And so that's the wow. sense of hopelessness, isolation, and fear. And it talked mm. about the most susceptible groups are um, people age 18 through 25, which 61% yeah. of them reported that they are struggling with severe loneliness and um, mothers with young children, and then, of mm. course, elderly people. And so that, those were the top groups that struggle with, you know, at least 60% of that particular people group is struggling with severe loneliness. And there's a million reasons that can happen, right? Because everything is seasonal. You graduate from high school, you go off to college, or maybe you you start to work in the workforce, your friendship group changes, you're not seeing the yeah. same people every year. Like all of a sudden, you're living a different life overnight. And motherhood is the same way. And I think probably getting older is the same way. I can't speak to that personally because I'm not there yet, but I would imagine it's it's very similar. You know, you're used to having a certain life or a certain type of people around you and, and then you don't. And then throw on top of that, you know, um, isolation and lockdown and losing family members and connections and, you know, throw all of that on top of it. And Ooh. I think it just exacerbates it. And then there's the yeah. social media piece, because I think so much of us are so many people, so many of us are looking for connection, which is so critical and important and also looking yeah. for safe connection. And there is a little bit of that sort of, um, you know, illusion of that in social media where you're like, oh, I can mm -hmm. see someone's life. Mm -hmm. They can see my life. We can seem close because we're chatting in DMs. But the reality is, yeah. like, if I leave out of here or they leave out of here, we're not going to talk again, you know? And yeah. So I think we all just have to be honest about what's really going on in there, in our mind and in our heart and in those connections that we have. And Tiffany, you're so right. On the flip side, I have met amazing mentors and have dear friends that I've met up with in real life and have, you know, weekly connections with them from social media. So that's totally. that's absolutely totally. possible. But I do think it's it's time to evaluate, like, what is this really doing to you? And is it mm -hmm. serving you? And if it's not, are there is there anything you'd want to change? And if you do want to change things, what are they? What would um, create a more holistic, good experience for you? What would make you feel... Um, if you struggle with, you know, everybody's succeeding or everybody's doing more than I am, or if you struggle with, look at that mom over there crushing it, or look at that mom over there being a disaster and you struggle with judgment. Like, I don't know. We all have these yeah. things. I just listed off a bunch of random ones, but I think that this is very true. We need to know how is social media for media forming our life and the way that we think. And if you need to take a break, you need to pull some limits. You need to talk to somebody about it. It's important yeah. that we do that. Yeah. And I want to back up and even talk about how we can become so siloed in this. And uh, Ashley details this very well in Love is the Resistance. So if you haven't picked that up, you it is a must read, a must listen because she narrates it. But one of the things that um, is is just part of the new phenomenon in the world we live in is that more than ever, we aren't defined by our community. You know, in the past, it right. was assumed if you lived in a certain community or a certain part of town, there was something you might have shared with your neighbor. Maybe it was the same socioeconomic standing, maybe same way you vote, maybe the same church you go to. There was all these potential factors that would bind you two together uh, in a neighborly fashion. But now online, we go find our tribes online. Oh, this person thinks like me. This person 
reads the same authors that I do. This person fill in the blank. And so it, it's the first time, in, you know, in this digital trend that you you aren't like minded in per se by your neighbors, but the people you find online, because we can literally use search terms and hashtags to find our try, you know, that that idea of finding your people online. But we need to take that same intention and ensure that it's balanced in our real life. And thank you so much for sharing those stats on the loneliness. That proves our point because those are that 18 to 25 and mothers, they're more online, dare I say, than most people, Mm -hmm. right? Like 18 to 25, those are digital natives. Mm -hmm. And so it even points to the necessity to make sure there's intention and balance. And dare I say laughter. One of the reasons I've like, okay, social media has to include laughter for me. I know this sounds so silly, but I'm like, this place can be such a dumpster fire. So if I can laugh, <laughs> that is helpful. That's helpful. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's so important to to laugh and giggle and receive wisdom where you need to. Yeah, it really matters. I I think that I wish we had had some warnings. You know, they didn't have that mm-hmm. with cigarettes and they didn't have that with so many other things <laughs> throughout history. Yeah. And I'm sure nobody really knew how to warn us. Nobody really fully understood algorithms, how they're going to play out in the population. Like, you know, we've Gosh. seen all the documentaries. We've seen all the movies. Y'all have read your own mm-hmm. stats. You know, you're, you're, you're thinking about this too. And I just... I want us to think through, okay, what would it look like for me to participate in this without it dominating my life? And why does this have to be the place that you check out? You know, um, if you are doing mindless scrolling, which is the same as Netflix, you know, like sometimes Mm -hmm. you want to watch a series and sometimes it becomes a habit you can't break. So it's Mm -hmm. the same with scrolling. I'm not dogging sitting and scrolling and chilling out after a long day at work or at the end of the evening, whatever it is. Like I totally get it. I'm not dogging that. And I do that too. But I think just being more mindful of, okay, how is this shaping me? And then you mentioned, you know, kind of the tribes. And I think that that's a really important thing to talk about online because the sort of tribal mentality has made me very often think about, well, what do I owe people on social media? And, you know, again, as someone who has had this as part of my job for, for a little bit, And I think that I've really come to this place where I'm like, I don't owe anybody anything. (laughs) Like, I don't owe you anything. And part of my sobriety, I don't know if people out there will resonate resonate with this, is that I need the freedom to quit. I don't often quit, but I need the freedom to quit. I need the freedom to not show up in the ways that I've showed up in the past. I need the freedom to make decisions for myself. And when I know that I have that, I I maintain a level of sobriety that's good for me and a level of health that's really good for me. And so I've been thinking a lot lately about what do we owe people on social media? And, you know, um, and, and when people just mindlessly attack you because they are part of a tribe with a certain ideological affiliation, whether it is related to their faith and religion or whether it's related to their politics or whether it's related to their passions for children or education or whatever. I think the way that people come at you sometimes online is is very revealing of yeah. the inner violence that's happening in a person's heart. Yeah. And so I've been trying to recognize it more as that instead of just like, you know, whatever. Sometimes I respond and it's appropriate. And sometimes I'm like, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to delete this. I'm not going to talk to you. You're not going to talk to me like that. You know, it's like, wait a minute, guys. So I think this idea of what do we owe people on social media is such an important question to explore. Yeah. You don't owe people your your inner thoughts if they've not been Mm -hmm. fully baked. You don't owe people your time, (laughs) as Ashley shared. You don't owe people 
anything private. You don't want people things from your family. And, and I think that so often, you know, we vulnerability is a strength. Absolutely. Right. But in safe spaces, you know, we don't throw pearls to swine. And so I th- and I'm not saying everybody on the socials is swine, but you hear no, me. Of course. You hear me, y'all. And I just think we it, it would behoove us to be wise and thinking what we shared, what people would be consuming and what that could lead them to. And also even just triggering, like I've mm-hmm. appreciated more people putting trigger warnings on some of the things they share that could just jank up your whole day. You know, yeah. if you're seeing something that you didn't ask for, you didn't go looking for, and it just pops up, that can be really, um, really, really difficult as well. Mm-hmm. How have you navigated this, Tiffany? Like in, in the past, like how have you navigated how you show up and what you want to share? Like what's that journey been like for you? Yeah, I think, uh, I need to check in with how I'm feeling before I go on social media. And I would encourage all of us to do that. If I'm feeling sad or lonely or hurt, or if it's later at night when I'm not myself and I'm tired and I might be more prone to discouragement or even jealousy, I think Mm -hmm. I first check in with myself before I show up in a digital space because Mm -hmm. I don't want to bring um, any feelings that could be exaggerated in a way that's not helpful for me or to the way I think about other people and think about them differently. So Mm -hmm. I would say I first check in with myself and then I think of, um, I, for me, the way I want to show up for other people on social media is inspirational, educational, uh, challenging, convicting if it's certain social issues, especially around women. So I kind of stay in that space um, I see that as a ministry that I can be a blessing to um, mm-hmm. and look to engage people. Um, there's been times when it's like, hey, DMs are open. If you ha- want to pray about this, especially when my book was launching, it was like, if you have stories that you just need to, you want to share with somebody that's a safe space um, around the church to me to movement, things like that. So I've kind of narrowed it down to here's here's what I can give. I can't give more than that. Um, right. I can't show up and make silly videos or do these things. There's not a return on investment for me in those. Totally. <laughs> um, so that's not worth my time personally. Um, and then as far as consumption, I'm looking for joy or thoughtfulness or mindfulness or education, especially around justice issues. So I, I want to give and receive and cultivate connections that there is uh, shared interest and affinity. Um, so I, I've, I've really limited it to just that because I, I do have plenty of real stressors that I are in my, in my real life right. that demand my attention. And right. I can't give my attention where, um, where it's unneeded and unnecessary. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, as you said, there's times when you're launching a book or something that require a bit more engagement or a specific type of engagement, and it's just mm-hmm. necessary. I call that work. You know, like, yeah, it is. It's work. It really is. And that's not everyone's story for sure. Um, but I think that's a part of it. And then I also, like, I'm looking for people who are deep thinkers or funny. Like, let's just be yeah. honest. Like, that's what I want to yeah. consume when I'm online is, yeah. is something that makes me laugh or something that makes me think. Um, I also really enjoy, you know, people's personal stuff. If they're sharing a photo of their kid or they are, you know, taking on a new project or they're deciding to go back to school or whatever the thing might be. I really enjoy seeing that online and being able to, to cheer people on in those types of things. And I think for me figuring out like, okay, these are the things I want to talk about and these are the people I'm not talking to. So if I decide I'm going to talk about abortion or I'm going to talk about, you know, universal childcare, or I'm going to talk about whatever the issue 
is. I'm not going to argue with anybody and I'm not yeah. going to convince anybody of anything. It's like, yeah. I am talking to the yeah. people that this resonates with. And if Come you're on. not here on this little, you know, internet cul-de-sac, then, you know, you don't have to be here. You can leave. You can exit, exit right. You can turn your car mm -hmm. around in the driveway and keep mm -hmm. it moving. I also have been trying to think about, speaking of cul-de-sacs, the internet more as a neighborhood. Like, I love this. Because it's what you were, you know, alluding to earlier, Tiffany, is I'm, I'm thinking, what does it mean to be a good neighbor in this online space if, you know, my, if this is one of the neighborhoods that I live in? Because yeah. I have my real life and I have, you know, what my kids are attached to, what my husband cares about, our faith community. Like, you know, there's those different attachments that we have in our real life. And mm -hmm. then there's also like, this is a neighborhood I live in. So what do I want to cultivate here? And what do I hope people will care about? What do I hope people will receive from me when they're here? And then what am I not going to worry about? And because I think that's what you have to do in your neighborhood. It's like, I have yeah. these convictions and I have this way of showing love and hospitality and I'm going to embrace anyone who wants to be here, but I also will not be tolerating these things. And yeah. I, I haven't arrived at what I think about all that. I feel like these are new thoughts after taking a, a couple of month break at the end of last year. So this is all sort of new to me, but I am trying to think about it that way um, because I think that will inform where I spend my energy and what I give my attention to. And I don't want to yeah. give my attention anymore to problematic things because yeah. that is an enemy of progress. It's like I, yeah. I want to cultivate more light and more hope and I don't want um, you know, this to be a place where people are invited to argue and fight with me. It's like, you're not actually invited to do that in my neighborhood. <laughs> I'm not and, turning and up at your door doing this come job. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was just going to say, that'd be like somebody knocking on your door to comment on this, that, and the other. And so if, when we put it in that light of what does it mean to be a good neighbor? I just love that verbiage because it's so vivid yeah. and it demands imagery for each right. of us because we're thinking of our own neighborhood. We're thinking of maybe where we grew up. So we're really given an idea of like, oh, I don't want these people to hate me and I don't want to hate them. We all have to coexist. Like right. we have That's to get right. along. So what would it take to use conflict resolution or just, you know, basic social skills exactly. <laughs> in this digital neighborhood? You know, exactly. I think that's just such good imagery and such good, just such good vernacular to help us wrap our minds around what this could look like. Because I, I saw y'all's 2022 list of like, be on social media less or get my act together on the internet, like not be <laughs> blowing smoke where I shouldn't. We saw your list, you guys. Why do you think we're talking about this today? You know, yeah. this matters. This it is a does. big part of how we exist and operate in the world today. So it's yeah. something that we want. Also, this is something to steward. This is it is steward in our lives. It is. It I think really that's is. that's re the really powerful thing right there is, you know, I don't want to put too much onus on it. I think Tiffany, I, I wonder if you share this sentiment based on, you know, a similar sort of evangelical experience in your young adult years. But I don't want to put so much weight on it that I feel like I'm going to buckle under the pressure of how I behave online because I am a human mm. and I'm going to make mistakes. And sometimes people just aren't going to vibe and or you're not going to like yeah. things. And it's like, it is what it is. I'm not going to, you know, put so much pressure on it. At the same time, I want to be a person who is accountable and who's holding other people accountable for how they behave and how they act in the neighborhood, you know? So yeah. It's yes. like, hey, we're all free to fail here. We're all free to make mistakes here. We're all free to get hot-headed about something because it's a hot-button issue or it touches a deep part of mm -hmm. us or it's part of our history or past or we feel offended that someone could think or believe or do these types of things. But at the same time, we need to be accountable for our behavior. And yes. I, that has been the most disturbing thing to me 
especially about people over 40, you know, is their yeah. behavior on the internet. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like you're grown with a mortgage and have some kids who are like late teens and you're on here acting like this. Like yes. who is And I saw you singing in the choir at church. Okay. the Lord. And then you Listen, coming up. And this, you posting a oh. Maverick City song and then the very next thing you like cussing people out in these internet <laughs> yes. streets. I mean, what are you doing? You know, so. I, I think the neighborhood is a place where we can be held accountable. And yeah, I would love to talk to you about this faith community piece. I know, I, I hope listeners are still with us and you're not a little bit all over, but maybe you're like me and you haven't sort of figured this out. But I know people are leaving faith communities or trying to figure out where they belong in a faith community or what works for them. Um, but that is another concern that I have is that people are no longer accountable in the faith space. And so mm. some of the things that I've seen in, in people who are deconstructing, in people who are still in churches, it's I'm, I'm not picking one group here to pick on. I'm just like believers in general because they're yeah. not accountable in an actual real life place and are not standing next to people in worship on a regular basis and, you know, hearing people's stories and connecting with them and seeing their kids in the kids ministry or watching someone graduate from college or take that next step. Yeah. You know, it's like because we're no longer doing that at least the people I, I see the most online, it feels like there's a lack of um, accountability for love and neighborliness. I don't know. Oh, Do you see that that's too? That's a word. Yes. And I, the, I, Christianity Today wrote about this phenomena uh, a few years ago, and they got a lot of flack for it, Ashley. But they had a really good point, And it was that historically, we have listened to people who were trained and discipled to speak openly about faith matters. Yes. And now it's anyone who has a following. Yes. So it doesn't matter if you are mature in the faith. If you have a following, you can speak up and speak out with any accountability because you wouldn't be able to blabber off those things in a faith community because there was that built in accountability. But now in these internet streets, you just say what you're going to say and there's nobody coming for you and there's nobody keeping you accountable. And that, I mean, let's be real. That can be real dangerous. That can be really, really, really dangerous. And we're not against deconstruction. We have both gone through. At all. We've done it. Oh man, we've done it. (laughs) And I'm on my reconstruction phase and it has been so juicy and good and holy and just it's revived my faith. But that isn't been something I've posted on the interwebs in a way that could be misconstrued. Yes. In a way that could be misunderstood or lead people in a way that that's not actually what I'm communicating. Also, I'm in process. So that's not something yes. that, that, you know, again, it's not baked yet. It's still in the oven. That's right. So th- there's, I, I would invite all of us to be wise, especially when we're talking, not, you know, we're listening to people about Bitcoin or, <laughs> or investing, you know, all these things yeah. that people are just b- g- speaking off when they have the platform, but especially in faith, a matters of the soul. Yes. I think we need to take extra care. Who am I listening to? Yes. What is their faith journey? I want to see the receipts of how they've grown and where they've gone. Are they invested? Are they yeah. rooted? Are they planted? Are they accountable? I don't care how high a level of leadership there. I wrote a whole book about this, y'all. Yes. I don't care how high a level of leadership. Are they accountable? That's right. Are they accountable? I because love if that. they're not, then I'm not listening. I agree. I think it's I think it's a very real thing. And mm-hmm. the beauty of being in person with people and I again, I'm so sensitive to this because so many people have had 
changes in their circles or are in process of changing their circle. And all totally. of us are different now. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I want mm-hmm. to be very, very sensitive. And at the same time, you know, there's something unique about seeing somebody on a weekly basis who can notice when you're a little down, who can yeah. notice when you have an attitude that they can tell not, not to be a jerk to you by saying, oh, you got a little attitude, but somebody who can be like, are you okay? Like you seem really stressed. Like is something going on? Anything I can help you with? Like the internet doesn't give you that. Nope. It doesn't give you the opportunity for people to really see you, even if you feel seen. And there will be moments on the internet that I feel so seen, or I'm reading an article and I'm like, oh my God, reading my mail. Like this is exactly mm-hmm. what I would have written if somebody was in my journal. And mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, there's no reciprocity in that. And so I think it's important for us to remember to be accountable and to be seen um, in real life as much as you can, as safely as you can. It, it really does matter, you guys. I just don't like what is happening to communities. Yeah. And I I think LA also tends to lean a little bit uh, deeper on the entitlement spectrum than other places I've lived. That's just a fact, you know, every city has its thing. But I have noticed that, that people feel very entitled to things that they haven't earned and very entitled to um, relationships, very entitled to living in a way that's destructive for others just because they feel like it or they're going through their process. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, in the neighborhood, we're supposed to hold each other accountable. And you can't just act any old type of way, even in your pain, in your grief, in your suffering. Like there is still a level of human decency, especially if you are a believer that is required. You know, it's like we go through suffering, we go through trials and, you know, sometimes we don't get out of them, but you still have to find a way to operate in love and to recognize that you're being destructive even in your pain and do something about that, you know? So I just, I want us to do better, you guys. And again, I haven't figured it out. I don't have all the language yet. I'm in process, but I just, what I'm seeing disturbs me greatly. (laughs) Yeah. And dare I say, we take that entitlement online and we, we have that same practice of, no, I won't be told that this isn't okay. I won't be told. I won't be told, you know, fill in the blank. And we're taking that same perspective. And again, we respect the process. Like, absolutely. So I would encourage as, as, Ashley has invited all of us, I'm very convicted about this, to be a good neighbor on the internet with that same intention of showing up on social media in a decent, human, compassionate way. We would also encourage you, how intentionally are you showing up in your real life this year? Because guess what? There's so much going wrong. But relationships, relationships, this is something we can invest in in the here and the now. You need this. You quite literally can't live without Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And for the believers listening, we're invited to love God and love others and to share our lives. Even the word communion, to commune with God and to commune with others. We will find our whole lives there. We find healing in community. We find wholeness in community. We find we can share our, our, our lives and our hurts and our aches and our pains. Forgive me, Ashley, if I've shared this, but it's just, oh, I love this. I I was watching a documentary on uh, connection, human connection, and how the brain responds in community. And they did a study on mothers of special needs children. Mm 
and they hooked up their brains before and after. And it literally showed the, the way the synapses were firing and the way their brain was quite literally healing itself and the peace and the, their blood pressure would lower. All of these things after these women just sat around, shared their highs and lows, had a cup of coffee and some donuts together, laughed, shared the hard parts, shared the good parts. Mm-hmm. It was so beautiful. And, and the proof here was in when we share our lives with people, the vulnerable parts, the wins, the, the hallelujahs and the low moments we become more fully of who we were always intended to be. Yeah. We become ourselves and we're reminded, hey, we're going to get through this. <laughs> we're, we can do yeah. this. We can That's do this. Right. It's hard, but we can do this. That's right. That's right. That's it right there. <laughs> Bam. Bam. <laughs> hey, listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.